Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, what a great week it is here in the middle of winter, you know. Um, the, the weather is warm. It has the, been a it, little the, bit. The, it's, it's is that just what you're been, talking about? It's just been beautiful all over. Is that what you're, I mean, you're talking about, the weather, right? Yeah, you're not, if you're a Clemson grad, this oh, is like one of the best weeks ever. You had to go down the football path, didn't you? I'm afraid so, my friend. Yes, we took down Alabama. The dynasty has some crumbles in it, yeah. you know. Few faults in the uh, dynasty castle. That was here. a beat down. I tell you, Clemson played phenomenal. Um, congratulations to all the Tiger fans out there. Hey. It was well earned, well deserved. There was no question. There was no luck involved in that. It was it was domination. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, we 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 were shocked. We were all shocked. I think you know, me and my friends that went to Clemson were shocked that it went down that way. So anyway, we won't go too far down that path. <laughs> but what a great game! What a great football season! And uh, that's yes, got us in was. a good mood this week. And the, and, and the markets are up a little the bit. The markets you know? are recovering a little bit, yeah. you know? I mean, who knows? But, uh, hey, this could be the start of a recovery. Could be. You know? In fact, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the fact of the week coming up here. But before we get into that, um, we do have a great show lineup today. We're going to talk about, you know, Tony Robbins has the five money mistakes that investors have to avoid, right? Yeah, there's five of them here. And we've, we've I tell you, we've been hitting this hard, really, Steve, over the last month and a half, really, for, you know, last quarter. We had a correction back in October. And then obviously December was a very challenging month. But, you know, we, we understand history very well and markets don't always repeat themselves perfectly. But if you look back at history and understand that you can um, make sure you don't make the same mistakes. And this is a really good topic that we'll dive into. Yeah, that's going to be a great topic. And then we're going to talk about the five, the, the best reward credit cards. Now we're not advocating that you go out and, you know, open a lot of credit cards and spend a lot of money on credit. And carry a balance. But the fact is most people do use credit cards and hopefully they mostly use them for the points and for the rewards and they pay off the balance every month. And a lot of people do that. So if you're going to do that, hey, why not have the best? And we got the list of the best credit cards for getting points and rewards and cash back and that sort of stuff. So that's going to be a very interesting topic. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 23 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. And we are excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have the podcast link, and you can actually listen to it from your computer. Uh, we also have a lot of videos and um, some tools out there on the uh, the website to check out. Facebook page, we put a uh, prescription of the week up there every week, and uh, also have a Twitter handle, MoneyMD, so go check that out. Yeah, lots of ways you can check us out, and also email us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. We're going to start off here with the fact of the week, and John, you know, most people don't realize it, but <clears throat> when we go through the kind of market we just went into, the a bear market, um, markets have a remarkable history of recovering very strongly and returning more than they do on average during normal times. Um, in fact, you know, we looked at some stats here. If you go back and look at the last 11 bear markets over 60 years, in fact, all the way back to the 50s, um, 
Over the last 11 bear markets, if you measure from the bottom of the market, the recovery over the next 12 months averaged over 40%. Wow. 40% now we, now, we know past performance doesn't guarantee future markets, and we're not trying to predict, predict but those Absolutely. that's the averages. And I think that's an important fact to understand. It is. It is. And in fact, over, twi- over, over 24 months, okay, two-year period from the bottom of a bear market, the, those 11 bear markets, the average was a 60% gain over that two-year period. And that's measuring from the bottom, and it includes some very severe bear markets. As we remember in 2008, the market was down like 58%. So, yeah, just to get back to even, it had to gain, you know, almost 90% or something. So, you know, the, the point is, though, markets tend to recover very strongly when they get in that mode. And they do return more than average. You know, it, a lot of people will kind of get in this mindset of, well, the market's only average 10%. And my goodness, you know, 10% going forward, it'll take us, you know, two years just to get back to even. Well, that's not normally what happens from the bottom of a bear market. Yeah, which is why most people like us and the Dave Ramsey's and the Warren Buffett's of the world talk about, you know, dollar cost averaging and buying when the markets are down. Right. right? Because you're right. buying more shares and they do recover typically uh, pretty quickly based on history. So um, that's a great fact of the week. Yeah, it is. I mean, markets were down 20%, you know, at some point here in, in late December, and just to get back to even, you know, it, it has recovered about 25% to get back to even. Um, that's just getting back to even. So, And that's what markets do historically. So, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results. We don't know when markets are going to start a recovery in earnest. But we've had a pretty good week here. And, you know, it, it now could be a very good buying opportunity. So if you have money sitting on the sidelines, um, you know, that's what I did here you know, a week or so ago was add, add as much money as I could scrape up. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, interesting fact of the week. That leads us into our first topic, though, and that is the five money mistakes investors need to avoid in today's markets. Yeah, this is from Tony Robbins, um, business strategist. Uh, he's also doing financial literacy uh, across America now. And his mantra is timely, don't sit on the sidelines in fear and make rash decisions because of stock market volatility. As he points out, the single biggest threat to your financial well-being is your own brain. And that's true. It's very emotional yep. when the markets are, are volatile. And, um, you know, it has been a volatile. 2018 uh, was the most volatile year since 2015, Steve. And um, that's measure, as measured by the uh, intraday moves of 1% or more. So in 2015, the S&P 500 had about 72 um, 1% intraday moves. So it was very volatile. 2018, there were about 64 Roughly, um, so a little less in 2015, but to put it in perspective, in 2016, there were only 48, and in 2017, only eight. 2017 was an yep. incredibly calm, smooth year, and it was very unusual. And um, if you look at the month of December, it was the worst final month of the year since the Great Depression with losses of nearly 10% in one month. I mean, it was a very, it was like October. October was a very yep. similar month as well. That's what took us into the bear market. Yeah, it was a very volatile <laughs> year last year. You know, Tony Robbins reminds me of Dabo Sweeney. How's that? Well, he does. You know, he just talks a lot about your emotions and how you think about things and your yourself. And one of the things Dabo Sweeney said, you know, after the national championship here this past week was he said, you know, we had to have a belief in ourselves and believing that you can accomplish something and win is a big part of the success. Yeah. 
And he said, we, we had to believe in ourselves. And it's the same thing when it comes to investing. You know, you got to believe. Thanks for these football that, analogies. I appreciate it. It really helps <laughs> our like, listeners out there, does. Steve. Thank you. You have to believe in history and believe, you know, take your emotions out of it. And you got to believe in yourself um, that investing does work. And that's what Warren Buffett does. He, he believes in it, you know, during the big swings in the market. I mean, it, you ha- it's wise not to make emotional decisions. So to be successful, you know, the best advice to follow is Warren Buffett's golden rule and Dabo Sweeney's belief, and that is to have a long-term horizon to capture compounding effects. And, you know, others that that quit, they lose out. Um, There's always going to be booms and busts. Um, You can't really time the market. The average return of the S&P over the last 20 years was 8.6%. But if you were out of the market... For just 10 of the best trading days during that period, your returns would have only been 2.5%. So you would have missed um, just 10 best trading days. You would have missed 75% of the return. Yeah, that's a big number. So we're going to go into to five mistakes here. The first one is um, mistake number one is seeking validation for your investing beliefs. And, and smart investors... You know, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta be somewhat flexible. Um, you know, you can't get bogged down by the biases um, that get in the way of intelligent investment decisions. Warren Buffett consults his partner Charlie Munger, um, <clears throat> you know, on his decisions in the 2014 annual report. Buffett called that uh, recalled that Munger had convinced him to change his investment strategy. He says, forget about what you know about buying fair businesses at wonderful prices. Instead, buy wonderful businesses at fair prices. And um, so be careful if you're listening. We see this newsletters that go out um, to our clients sometimes from other organizations that are they're, they're pushing fear, right? They, they right. push fear and they sell products based on fear. Go listen to Dave Ramsey. He's going to give you a complete different viewpoint than what you're seeing in those newsletters. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. So be careful with that. You got to you got to make sure you um you you kind of you know understand different uh, uh, investing philosophies. Mistake number two is thinking recent events are an ongoing trend, and you know it's easy to to freak out about today's wild swings in the stock market, but now is not the time for overreaction. There's always been boom and bust, and that's been a part of the market cycle. If you look back, bull and bear markets are like seasons. Winter always comes after. Always comes, but it's after spring. So, you know, if you understand the history a little bit, like we just shared in the fact of the week, um, there have been recessions, there have been bull markets and bear markets. It's just part of the investing cycle. And that's a great point because it's just like thinking just because Alabama has won the national championship so many times in the last 10 years that there wasn't going to be a new king to the dynasty, you know, and there wasn't going to be a new, a new trend that started. So you can't think recent trends are going to continue forever, you know? Yeah, something had to change, right? Something had to change. And, you know, fortunately, Dabo Swinney and the Tigers, they they thought, they, they realized that they could start a new trend. But you know what? The the takeaway from that is, is what goes up must come down. Not so, necessarily. <laughs> Not soon. Just remember that. Not soon. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a good point, though. I mean, you know, just because markets have been down recently – uh, doesn't mean that it's going to continue. You know, it, it, it does go in cycles and realizing this simple truth, um, is important. And the biggest threat to your wealth is fear. It's an emotion that can trigger poor decisions. So if you panic during a market downturn, you sell out, you cannot recoup assets on the upside of it, you know, if you're sold out. 
Um, so in the la- in the 22 corrections in the pat- post-war era, the S&P 500 suffered an average loss of 13.8% and dragged on for 148 days or roughly five months, according to CFRA. Um, but after hitting the low, it takes the market about four months on average to get back to even. And, um, you know, that's... Uh, I mean, we went back to our fact of the week, though. Um, in the average bear market, uh, the market goes up like 40% on average for the next 12 months. So, <clears throat> Yeah, and, and the reason why folks like us and the Dave Ramses of the world tell you not to try to time the market is 80% of corrections, uh, that's when the market falls by 10%. They never turn into a bear market. That's right. right. 80%. <clears throat> I mean, think about that. So why would you, when we're going to a correction why would you go against the, the, the historical trends? It's just... Yeah, the odds are way in your favor for riding it out. And you can't predict which 20% are going to get worse. So you have to ride those out. Yeah, the sad truth, though, is that most investors buy the wrong thing at the wrong time just because they think the current market trend will continue for the foreseeable future. And uh, as Warren Buffett says, investors project out into the future what they have most recently been seeing and that is their unshakable habit. So um, you got to be careful about the trends. You know, in, instead, individuals should really, you know, do what best investors in the world do. Create a simple list of rules to guide them when they uh, when things get emotional. Stay the course. Remain on target. I mean, it's one reason why we're here as advisors, right? Our, we're here for our clients and to talk and educate and kind of take them off the ledge a little bit. So you got to be careful with the recent trends. Mistake number three, Steve, is, is overestimating um, your abilities. I mean, are you know, the abilities of your opponent? <laughs> no, your opponent. That's right. So Clemson's abilities did very well, but don't overestimate them because yeah, you got people, people overestimated Alabama's abilities. They, they really did. did, and they underestimated Clemson's. That's right. That's right. Fits um, right in. That's a great point. Tony is. Robbins, I love him. He's got great. <laughs> him great and Debo are like you know yin They're and yang. Very right? similar. Very similar. It it, it 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 can be a psychological bias and, and can certainly happen for various reasons, um, including when your you know financial professional convinces you that there's a hot new investment uh, that's going to crush everything out there. Like Alabama was supposed to crush Clemson and it didn't happen. So didn't happen. Be careful about you know overestimating your ability. I, I do think um, you know one of the things I heard you know, going into the the game is that Alabama could have been the greatest team ever. Yep. And I think Clemson used that. And I know Dabo talked about that to his team about, hey, we are going to be the great. I mean, so the psychological piece of it. um, And I think Alabama did go in overestimating their abilities. Big motivator. Sure was. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there are certain people that are prone to overconfidence, you know, like Alabama. And, you know, finance professors, though, at the University of California, um, have examined the stock markets, uh, stock investments of more than 35,000 households over five years. And they found that men are especially prone to overconfidence. They traded 45% more than women. They, you know, reduced their returns by about 2.6% per year because of that overconfidence, because of that overtrading. Um, so when you add the, the additional cost of high transactions and fees and taxes, you know, it's a big hit. So you don't want to overestimate your abilities. You don't want to get into the mode of trying to move around to try to think that somehow you can circumvent the market and you can improve your performance. You know, that's not a strategy that works. Yeah. And mistake number four is letting greed take over. And, you know, greed and impatience, they're dangerous traits when it comes to investing. I, I, see, I saw that in uh, in growth stocks. Technology stocks had a really good run. People were piling yep. in. Amazon, you know, the FANG stocks and so forth. And they've been pummeled during this downturn. They're more, they're down more than 
than the bear market 20%. In yep. some cases, they're down 40 or 50%. So you got to be careful. You know, a better way to approach it, look at the Dave Ramsey process, build wealth over time, focus on small incremental changes that compound over time. So be careful with the greed piece of it. We saw it with Bitcoin. Bitcoin was just doubling yep. and doubling and doubling. People piled into it. Now it's went from 17,000 down to like 3,000 or something. I don't know where it sits today, but you got to be careful with greed. Yeah, and mistake number five is investing solely in the U.S. You know, it's kind of like putting all your chips on Alabama. Uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I mean, it's just a common mistake, you know, not diversifying. You have to diversify and you have to realize there's more than one king on the hill when it comes to football. And there's more (laughs) than one place to invest when it comes to investing. And so, yeah, I mean, investment pros agree that you should avoid putting all of your money in one asset class, such as real estate, stocks, bonds. Um, Also, you know, don't put all your money in your favorite stocks, such as Apple, um, you know, or or some waterfront property that can be damaged by a storm. Instead, diversify across markets, countries, currencies around the world. Um, We live in a global economy, so investing solely in the United States in one asset class is not a winning strategy. You need to diversify, and you need to do it with with a sound academic strategy as well, I would say. You know, just just owning a bunch of stocks doesn't necessarily give you good diversification. Yeah, and a reason for diversification, Steve, you look back at the S&P 500 from 2000 to to the end of 2009. So those 10 years, S&P basically made zero, um, very little. International stocks averaged about 4%. You had small stocks in the U.S. that made about 7%. Emerging market stocks made about 16% a year. So um, there's a reason why the Ramseys of the world and folks like us really believe in diversification. You never know uh, what an asset class like large U.S. stocks is going to do. And they can do weird things for 10-year periods. So if you don't want your plan to crash, diversify. That's the takeaway. That's exactly right. <laughs> Just like you never know when a small team from Clemson, South Carolina is going to win the championship two years out of the last four. Two out of the last three, actually. That's true. Yeah. That's 16. True. That's and, true. So give good. me all some props. You, good you point. Well. Good point. South Carolina won the women's basketball championship two years ago. So we just got, never know. Yeah, you got go. championships around. That's right. Other championships are around. That's right. Good. Those are important. It's a good point. They are. <laughs> they are. All right. Great topic. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this has to do with buying rental houses. Uh, this individual is 60 years old, uh, considering um, you know getting into the rental house business. Never done it before, and the question is, is any words of wisdom? And certainly would proceed with caution. Um, Rental houses can be um, profitable, but it takes work. It's an active investment. You have to like um, that process and getting involved. Some people do have management companies, but it's an active investment. 60 years old, never done it. I'd probably shy away from that a little bit. Yeah, I'd say just don't. You know, I mean— I, I, yeah, I mean, I would add to that. Yeah, I mean, you really need to be a a a very handy person if you're going to be very successful in in rental properties because you know there's a lot of things to fix up, and if you got to hire all that stuff out, um, you know, and you got to be able to manage renters as well. I mean, you have to go, you know, collect, you know, when it's time to collect and find a new renter. So it's like having a second job. So you, you mean I wouldn't think that. Don't think it's a passive investment. It's not. Real estate, you got to kind of know what you're doing. You got to be willing to put in some sweat equity if you're going to be successful. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I wouldn't look for that as kind of a retirement opportunity. But uh, but if you enjoy that kind of stuff, you can do well at it. There's no doubt. Um, but you need to be handy. You need to put some sweat equity into it. So that's a good question of the week. 
And that leads up here to our last topic, and that is the best reward credit cards. Uh, yeah, this is a very recent article uh, by Jill Gonzalez um, from WalletHub.com. But, John, you know, we're, we're certainly not big proponents of using credit cards because, you know, you do tend to spend more if you do. But let's face it. I mean, most people do use them. Um, so as long as you're going to use them and you're going to pay them off every month, as you should, you should never carry a balance on a credit card. Um, but you might as well get all the benefits that you're entitled to if you're going to use them. And, you know, fortunately, getting money back on credit card purchases can be very rewarding. You know, for this year, for 2019, the best cards include up to 5% cash back in categories, including restaurants and gasoline, everything on Amazon, you could potentially get 5% back on, and hundreds of dollars or more in sign-up bonuses. So what's the catch? Well, there are a few. I mean, to maximize rewards, you have to be willing to pay attention to which cards you use for which purchases. Um, you know, and if your credit score isn't isn't in the high 700s, or, uh, you may not qualify for some of the best cards. Um, and some of the most appealing rewards cards out there are offered by um, ones that charge annual fees. Um, though in most cases, those fees are waived for the first year. So you could earn a big you know, initial bonus, use the card for a year, and cancel it without paying a dime if you're so inclined. I mean, it would be a little bit of effort to do that. And, you know, cards that offer great rewards often charge steep interest rates on carried balances, so you cannot carry a credit card balance. I mean, if you're carrying a credit card balance, forget rewards. You need to get on a path to having your credit cards totally paid off, mm -hmm. you know. So this is not for somebody that carries balances on credit cards because that's a problem. you got to deal with that <clears throat> separately. Um, but anyway, having said all that, here is a look at more than a dozen credit card offerings with some serious perks for this year. So, you know, take a look and let's let's see which ones are best for you. Yeah, the best ones for eating out are Barclays Uber Visa and Capital One Saver MasterCard. And they're they're locked in a tight race. Both offer four percent back on restaurants and bars, but they diverge from from there. The uh, Uber Visa offers three three percent back on airfare, hotels and vacation rentals. 2% back on online purchases and 1% everything else, whereas the Capital One Savior, Saver offers 4% back on entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on everything else. So uh, the the Saver card has been offering a large initial bonus, about 500 bucks if you spend 3000 in the first three months versus wow. a 100 bonus of uh, spending at least 500 on the Uber card. So uh, Uber card has no annual fee. The Saver has $95, $95 annual fee. So... Um, you know, that's 4% is not insignificant, but yeah, boy, eating out a lot, I guess you'd have to, that $500 upfront yeah, bonus pretty good. is pretty serious. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Another nice perk from the Uber card is it has smartphone protection coverage. Um, and it's among one of the best for that. You know, many cards now provide some kind of compensation for card holders, uh, phone, if your phone's stolen or damaged, um, but not lost. But, you know, that compensation can be capped as low as $200. The Uber card offers up to $600 coverage per claim. So it's a really good card for for giving you that cell phone coverage. And now that, you know, cell phones cost like $1,000 mm -hmm. you know, for an iPhone, then that might be something worth considering. But um, the best cards for rotating categories um, would be Discover It and the Chase Freedom Visa. 
They each offer 5% cash back on up to $1,500 in spending categories that change each quarter. Now, to me, that's a little confusing. If they're going to change each quarter, I'd rather not have that. But, um, you know, it's if you're willing to follow that and, yeah. and change your spending <clears throat> habits every quarter, then so be it. But with both of these cards, cardholders must register for a 5% for the 5% category each quarter. But that involves a little clicking and, you know, link in an automated email, text. Cardholders receive 1% cash back on other purchases. So it's best to use those reward cards for the their categories um in at least one quarter each year each card typically offers five percent back at grocery stores gas stations other common categories include warehouse clubs department stores restaurants and internet phone services neither of the cards charge an annual fee but one difference between the two is the chase freedom has been offering an initial bonus of 150 dollars for spending 500 dollars in the first three months while discover uh, has offered uh, to double the first year's reward at the end of the year. Again, these wouldn't be my favorite cards because it's just too complicated. <clears throat> yeah, and then uh, supermarket shopping. Uh, I'm going to kind of summarize this a little bit. A lot of numbers. American Express Blue Cash Every Day or American Express Blue Cash Preferred. Uh, 3% cash back up to 6000 in supermarket spending. Um, no fee, whereas the preferred yep. card has a um, 6%, same thing but a $95 fee and their, their percentages, you know, change a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's some different bonuses. It's interesting when, you know, these, they're paying credit cards, charge the vendors, you know, three to 4% and they're giving yep. some of this back to you because people do carry balances at a 20% rate. That's right. <laughs> right? So That's right. You yeah. do have to be careful with that. You have to be very <laughs> careful with that. Yeah, here's another one, and this is the one that kind of got me thinking about this topic here the other day that caught my attention, and that's Amazon, you know, because we buy a lot of stuff on Amazon because we put a lot of the company stuff on Amazon here. And so if you shop at Amazon often, you you probably get some value out of the Amazon Prime store card um, if you're an Amazon Prime holder. Um, it's issued by um, Synchrony Bank. And the card offers an unlimited 5% cash back on Amazon purchases or some special financing. But, you know, you're not going to do that. So, you know, earn 5% back on Amazon purchases of all types with a Prime membership. Um, That means anything. You know, that's thousands of different items that you can buy on Amazon. And it really adds up. I mean, if you're like us and you spend a lot on Amazon, you know, we have a business and we're running that through a a lot of stuff through there and just buying uh, you know, it can really add up. There's no annual fee um, on that particular card. And as of, uh, <clears throat> you know, last year, there was a $40 gift card that automatically got loaded on the card upon approval as well. But yeah, I was logging on the Amazon the other day to buy something and it flashed up and it said, if you'd been using the Amazon Prime card last year, you would have made $560 in, wow. in cash back. And I was like, Whoa, that's kind of real money. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of got my attention. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, gee, maybe I should think, maybe these reward, I use these reward cards like Delta, the Delta American Express that gives you, you know, airline, you know, miles. And I use the Marriott Visa, which gives me, you know, free hotel nights. And I like that, but the value isn't nothing like 5% cash back. Yeah, you that's know? a big I mean, number. That's a big number, so <clears throat> it just makes you think. So that was one of them. And then um, another card here, just real quick, we're going to start summarizing these, is uh, 
For buying gas, they recommend the PenFed Platinum Rewards Visa and the Costco Anywhere Visa card by city. You can get up to 5% back on gas, 3% on groceries, and 1% on everything else. Yeah, the best card for small business, Chase Inc. Business Cash Visa offers 5% back on up to 25000 at office supply stores and on internet cable and phone services, 2% on uh, you know gas stations and 1% on everything else. So, man, there's a lot of choices out there. There are a lot of choices. Now, they talk about best cards for students. I'm going to say the best card for student is a debit card. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. It is not a credit <clears throat> card. So if you're a student, don't get a credit card. But let me finish with what I think is the best card, and that is the best card for cash back with no complications, okay? If, you know... Let's face it, cash back really is the best benefit you can get on a card. And the best card for that is the City Double Cash MasterCard. Offers 2% back on all purchases all year without any limit. There's no need to worry about spending categories or caps. Um, there's no annual fees. Um, so, you know, it's it's te- technically it's 1% back when you make the purchase and another 1% when you pay the bill. But that's my favorite card. It's simple, 2% everywhere. It's all cash. For most people, that's going to translate into the most dollars. So, again, that's City Double Cash MasterCard. And that's my uh, kind of summary of all these cards. So, okay. And that leads us up here to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with, again, market volatility. Make sure you have a process in place. I like the Tony Robbins suggestion of writing down Hey, when this happens, this is what I'm going to do or not do. Um, you know, you look back at history, Steve, and, and 25% of the years going back to 1926 have been negative. So we go through a negative year and the media just sensationalizes it. It, it, it happens. It's part of the process. You have to build in um, an expectation this is going to happen. And when you're building wealth and the market goes down, so what? You're buying more shares when you put money in. If you're in retirement, you need to make sure you have some bonds that you can pull from. So if you can just understand some of these historical concepts, it it allows you to not really get so panicked when the market drops. Exactly. You got to take the long view, just like Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers. You know, you got to think long term and realize that eventually you're going to reach your goals. You know, you're going to you're going to make you're going to win championships. So this is this is the last podcast that we'll talk about this. Is that (laughs) Maybe could could be okay. could be for a little while for a little while, but yeah, I mean you know this is a great prescription week. Yeah, I mean it's it's just not that unusual. Markets are volatile, and twenty five percent of the years are down. Negative years, it happens. But remember our fact of the week. You know historically, markets average like forty percent from the bottom of a bear market over the following twelve months, and sixty percent over the following two years from the bottom of a bear market. So. You got to keep it all in perspective and think long term. That is our prescription of the week. I'm a Gamecock fan. I'm thinking long term. You, you better right? think real long term if you're a Gamecock fan. <laughs> Come on. Hey, I'm pulling for them. I really am. I want to have a good, contentious, you That's know, right. That's right. rivalry cheer. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, this has been our edition of Money MD this week. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. And now, in a salute to Tiger fans everywhere, it's the song that shakes the Southland. Tiger Rag! 
contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Graham Associates, a registered investment advisor.